So welcome back everyone to episode two of Bounce Back. I'm here with Dr. Kathy Weston. My name is Anita Devi. And in the first episode, we talked about how to support your, your children, process difficult situations. We're now moving on to think today more about it's okay to feel sad and happy at the same time. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you so much, Anita. And I think this particular theme, as soon as I listen to the title, it always astonishes me that parents think their job is to make sure their children are happy all the time. And I think we really want to reassure parents today that, you know, that that isn't really the aim. It's much more about making sure our children are conscious that life is full of up and downs and that that is normal. Absolutely. And the title actually came from a real life situation during this time. So it was Easter weekend. And I don't know if you can remember, but Easter weekend in England was certainly a good weather weekend. And, you know, there was lots going on, very positive things in my life that I was able to share in terms of my community, being a Christian and all of that. It's a, it was a lovely time. But I woke up to a Saturday morning message where a friend of mine, his sister-in-law had passed away through COVID-19 and she was 36 years old she has two children and just a few months earlier we had been dancing together at my friend's birthday he had a big birthday party it was a, a big zero year for him and just to think within months we'd gone from dancing together and having fun to now she was no more and that weekend I really struggled in my heart if I'm honest with emotions of there was a lot of positive things going on around and there was a lot of joy, but equally I was feeling real sadness and grief and loss for my friend's sister-in-law and my friend's family. And what you're making me think about, Anita, is that when children are grieving and children will be grieving during this period of time and into the autumn months when we have a sort of a reckoning as to what we've been through, and grief is often described in children by the psychotherapist Julia Samuel, for example, where they're jumping in and out of puddles. So some days, just like you've just described, you will feel fine. And other days you will feel like you're in a puddle and it's difficult and it's very, very hard. And grief has that rhythm to it, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it can affect us psychologically on so many levels. We lost a family member last year. And one of the things that happened to me personally was my working memory really slowed down and stopped. And I could feel that I couldn't take on lots of things because it just wasn't, you know, and I had to give myself space and rest and find things that would feed into that. So one of the things I did at Easter when I went through this experience was to just write about it, to write a kind of a blog that I shared, but obviously without giving away too many details, just to kind of raise this with other people around to say, I'm feeling these mixed emotions. How's everyone else doing? And I got some really lovely messages and encouragements back from individuals about actually that's where they are as well. So I think writing for me worked on this occasion. Previously, when I've experienced grief, I think it's I think I found going back to things that make me happy and I enjoy has helped me. That's right. Those are very grounding experiences. When my best friend died in 2017, I ended up writing poems about her. I wrote blogs. I wrote diary entries. I wrote letters to her. You see, what's happening is 
when you create a narrative like that, or you, you know, it's not that you and I are great writers or anything. We just, this is a natural response that humans have to engaging in those sort of processes because we're trying to make sense of what's happened. And children need to do that as well. And that's why, you know, if they have become bereaved, if granny or grandpa have passed away, for example, as I was speaking to a child this week that that had happened to, writing postcards to them, you know, uh, drawings. Children need a sense of connection even beyond the experience of grief. So narrative creation is very, very important. And as you say, it's very anchoring. Absolutely. And grief is quite the extreme, but also we've got children who are really enjoying being at home, being with the family, but are equally sad about not being with their friends. And so, you know, these mixture of feelings can operate at different levels and to different degrees. And it's been encouraging recently to see how some families have intentionally found creative ways within social distancing to reconnect their children with their friends. So continuing to address that kind of same, well, okay, you're safe with us in the family, but you haven't lost your friends. They are just not in your immediate radar at the moment. That's right. That's a very reassuring message, isn't it? That these friendships, you know, they haven't seen them for a little while, but they will eventually, they will. And in the meantime, there are lots of lovely ways of staying in touch. I wanted to just talk about the feeling of disappointment that may be very, very new to many, many children. They're not used to having birthday parties cancelled or they're not used to not being able to go to school or even to play with their friends. So there are multiple disappointments. And disappointment, I always say to my children, it's a horrible feeling. I think it's one of the worst on that rainbow and I'm enjoying the fact that my children, who are very used to sort of things happening the way they plan or desire or want, are having the experience of uh, it, is a, it is an inoculization to be disappointed in terms of future because life's full of disappointment. And this is what this feeling feels like. But the crucial thing for parents is to model how we deal with these emotions, isn't it? How do I deal with disappointment? We accept it. We think about what we can control again, what we can't, and we move on. And that's the rhythm of resilience that I'm trying to impart to my children. Absolutely. And, and that acceptance comes through an awareness. So first being aware of how we're feeling. And as you say, accepting it and moving on. And there are different strategies that will work for different people around how to move on. Two things that I've used over the years and shared with others one is actually to have an anchoring song or a range of anchoring songs. So songs that really, I wouldn't say just take me back to a happy place, but actually reach into my heart and my deep emotions and help me recalibrate where I'm at. And so I have a couple of those already on my, my phone so that if I'm in that place, I can listen to those wherever I am. I think the other thing that I picked up actually about five years ago was when I hit situations of disappointment to intentionally just stand there and say, I choose not to be disappointed. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't change the outcome. What I found it's done for me is I'm not then taking on baggage that I then carry around for the rest of other things in my life. And it gives me that space 
you know what? I really, really love, I really, really love what you've said. <laughs> because when I was little, and I think I've told you before, my father was a psychiatrist. So you think you might know a bit, a bit about this stuff. And I remember him saying, oh, daddy, I'm so, you know, fed up. And he said, just choose not to be. <laughs> so, you know, there is a proactive element to resilience, isn't there? You know, we have choices. Absolutely. Just choose not to be disappointed about it. You know, be grateful for what happened. There's a new opportunity coming. That pathway has shut down. Move on to the next. Absolutely. And, and create that lemonade. Create that lemonade through those active choices. Definitely. I found that incredibly powering for myself that I choose. In fact, one of my friends has been throughout lockdown choosing a song every day to post on social media with the hashtag I choose. And I found that really interesting and fascinating that they've held on to their sense of autonomy and agency just by choosing a feel good song every day and sharing it with others with that idea of I choose. And I love the idea, this is terribly important, of nudging children into resilient thinking and habits at home. And one of the ways we do that is teaching them they have a choice over their attitude and their approach and what they choose to dwell on and what they don't need to dwell on. So again, it is about the rhythm of resilience and aiming to have conversations at the end of the day where we extract the good, we're thankful for the things that went well you can hear already that there's a sort of a resilient tone to those conversations that is very important in terms of general literacy around emotion. Yes, and gratitude particularly has a very empowering effect on our well-being and those around us and the environment. I mean, we are so fortunate that in this country we do have access to running water, that we can wash our hands. We have a fantastic NHS service system. We have people around us. There are countries where actually just access to water is a challenge in the everyday life, let alone during this time when there is a pandemic. So we have so much to be thankful for and to be grateful for. And I think keeping a gratitude journal, we talked about journaling before, but actually we can move into more specific journaling ideas as well. And I do, I've kept a gratitude journal. I've seen others use the same. And it really makes you think about at the start of the day, what am I going to be grateful for? And at the end of the day, actually, is there anything else that has been a bonus or an addition in my life today that I hadn't envisaged at the start of the day? And Anita, what you're referring to is so important. And that is reflecting, reflection. And my goodness, people just, we, none of us spend enough time reflecting and reflection will breed resilience. So just even by taking 10 minutes as an individual, as a parent or as a family to just say, do you know, how did today work out? You know, what was amazing? Like, oh, how, can we give ourselves a pat on the back? You know, we've got through another week of lockdown, you know, just enabling families to to see reflection as a great tool yes and I think one of the things I've certainly seen happening during this period which has been really encouraging is because a number of the soap operas that normally families tune into or tv programs haven't been on there has been a habit change coming through and when if you do something long enough over a sustained period it does become a habit and I've seen families using this time in the evenings to do exactly what you've just said, Kathy, to use that time to reflect, to celebrate the day, to kind of acknowledge milestones. And because it's, as I said, 
gone on for such a period, it's become part of their new norm. And I think it's something they would sustain even when we get back to whatever we get back to. So I think lifestyles are going to be massively shifted through this for the better and that new habits will come along in the way that we do. I've, oh, I've also got some friends who have been going out for their daily walks. And one of the things that they have said is they intend to continue this way beyond lockdown because it has fundamentally changed their life, how they communicate as a couple, as a family, and just their experience of quality time together, which I think is brilliant. That's right. So there'll be many, many things that we will want to keep as a result of lockdown. New habits, new appreciation for, you know, the the way the things that we've missed, but also the things that we're going to miss when we're out of lockdown. Yes, indeed. So thank you very much. Um, Just to summarise, we've been talking today in episode two of Bounce Back around it's okay to feel sad and happy at the same time. Just trying to think about how we can use different strategies and opportunities to take those extreme emotions and bring them together to feel a sense of understanding around it, a sense of experience, a sense of moving on from it. And this key phrase that Kathy keeps using, which I love, the rhythm of resilience, accept and move on. I love that. I love that. Do you want to add anything, Kathy? I just think that there is so much, uh, so many positive things that we've all learned in lockdown if we choose to dwell on them. So I love your idea, Anita, that we do have a choice even when we do feel out of control. Thank you very much, everyone. We will be back with episode three where we'll be looking at managing loss and grief. <laughs>